Macro Podcast number 362 for July 3rd, 2013. Welcome to another Macro Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. We often hear about young developers, boys and girls age six, who've created the latest mobile sensation. But in the clamor for youthful innovation, we sometimes forget about those who've been in the business for the long haul, seasoned professionals who've seen the software landscape change over decades. I'm pleased to welcome just such a professional to this episode of the podcast, Peter Tampty, who's seen Apple software development from the beleaguered days to the triumph of iOS. Let's talk to him now. My guest today is Peter Tampty, a name familiar to a lot of us in the Mac press. In his distinguished career, Peter founded MacSoft in the 90s, and it was the popular Mac-oriented game software company. He was the Senior Director of Consumer Marketing at Apple, the Executive Vice President for Bungie, and is currently the President of not one, not two, but three companies, Destineer, Atomic Games, and Theory.io. Welcome, Peter. Oh, thanks. Good to be with you, Chris. So as President of Theory.io, you've just released a new iPad product, called Note Suite, which is a notes and more app that's been two years in the making. And I just looked at the App Store, and it seems that you're number nine in the paid apps uh, section. So good on you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're thrilled with the way people are receiving the work that we've done with Note Suite. Absolutely thrilled. So, uh, and also I see that you're in new, uh, the new and noteworthy section. Is that just something that Apple, you know, they review the software and go, wow, this is cool. We're going to promote this? That's exactly right. Yeah. No, we don't even know ahead of time. They just um, it just goes up, and we and we find out that uh, that turns out that the people on the review team at Apple, the editorial review team, uh, are interested in it as well, which is great. We're thrilled by that, obviously. And on the Mac side, they actually gave us an editor's choice award. Ah, excellent. Okay, so I want to get into the specifics of Note Suite a little bit later, um, but because you have been in the business so long, and, and I'm not calling you old, but. Um, <laughs> But you've been around, you know, so you know how this business works. So I want to talk a little bit about how things have changed um, over the course of time. So you started in the early 90s with MacSoft, and that was focused on gaming and on the Mac. And now you've turned a lot to the iPad. So what's that say about the state of each platform? Well, you know, I think times are changing, certainly, and that um, the, uh, the some of the most exciting things for those of us who like to build products are happening on mobile devices. That's certainly a, a big part of it. And the other piece that's really a big difference, of course, is the way people buy the software. You know, when we built MacSoft, uh, one of our strengths was our ability to get products into the retail distribution around the world. And uh, now uh, there's just a limited number of digitally downloaded stores that uh, that we need. To, that that's it's a different sort of experience to to work with uh, getting a product out through an app store than it is through a retail store. So, do you miss? having to set up a retail outlet at all or is, it, is the Mac App Store and the App Store just a wonderful thing for you? Oh, you know, it, it, there's there's great things and there's challenging things hmm. with uh, the way with the way it is right now. I'm, you know, one of the um, you know the, the great thing of course is 
that uh, you can reach so many more customers through um, selling the product online. There's just no question about that. You know, now if, if somebody's interested in, in getting a Mac app or they're curious what's out, um, whether it's an iPad app, iPhone app, Mac app, they just push a button on their device and they can see what's out. Right. It, it, there isn't, it, it, it can't make it easier than that, right? The, the challenging part of it, of course, is that there's no barriers to entry. So when you're dealing with uh, brick and mortar retail, uh, you know, you really had to jump through a lot of hoops before you could get that product on the shelf. And, and that meant that, um, that A, that the products that actually made it to the shelf um, had to have a much bigger investment behind them. So in many cases that they could be a higher quality. Um, and, uh, and, and, and there are certainly far fewer products, far fewer products, like probably 98% fewer products that made it to the shelves. So um, now while a lot of us look at the um, enormous amount of choice that, uh, that we now have on the app stores, there's a downside to that as a consumer, um, and it's that it's harder to find the ones that are really interesting because there's a lot of just me too and uh, and poorly executed apps out there. So that and on the publishing side, it means that it, it becomes very difficult to sustain a presence in front of your customers when you are competing against nine hundred thousand other products for attention. Right. And what about the reviews process? Is this is that a reliable measure for people looking for software or or do you think that it's sort of like the Amazon reviews where, yes, there's some reliable ones and, and others are kind of gamed? Yeah, absolutely. There's no question that that there are there's gaming going on uh, in the App Store um, customer review section. I mean, we've been frustrated with that uh, where we know for sure that competitors of ours are going in there and posting uh, really negative comments about a product, some of which are comments are, are in most cases, they're not true. In other cases, they might be true. But I mean, an example that happened just to us today uh, is that we got a customer that put a one-star review in our product because it it won't work with a beta preview version of iOS 7 that came out three days ago. Well, nobody's supposed to actually be running beta versions of preview versions of their software. And you certainly shouldn't go on the store and post a one-star review if it doesn't work. Right. I mean, the whole reason Apple gives us the beta preview is to go make our stuff work with their iOS 7. <laughs> so does Apple get this at all? I mean, are they trying to do anything about reviews as far as you know? Or or do they say, well, we require people to buy the software and then they can review it? I haven't had the chance to have this conversation with the Apple folks yet, but I, I definitely want to. And and there are two things that Apple could do right now that that would really make a big difference, I think. Number one is giving the app developers the opportunity to respond to reviews mm-hmm. that are posted in the store. Uh, and, and the second thing would be... Um, some combination I would suggest actually requiring people to use real names would be great mm-hmm. um, and and then the ability to click on that person's name to see everything else that they've reviewed right if, if you could do those two things I think that uh, it would really go a long ways to legitimizing the information that customers are getting in the app store reviews yeah okay well as somebody as uh, who's been in this business for a long time and as a business person is there money to be made developing Mac software, or is the smart play going for iOS? 
There's definitely money to be made on, on Mac as well right now. Absolutely. And, and um, I think that that's, that's coming from a couple of perspectives. Number one is that there, unlike the iOS store where you just have just ridiculous quantities of product that's going in there, on the Mac store there still is a wide variety of content, but it's still possible to get attention, I think. The um, the second thing, of course, is you get that benefit, but at the same time, you also get that enormous uh, reach and accessibility mm-hmm. um, now of, of people being able to push a button on their computer and seeing what's new on the Mac. So uh, we have been very pleasantly surprised when we look at the sales ratios between um, the, the iPad and the Mac right now. We're, we're, we're feeling very, very good that, that, uh, that this market uh, of, of selling through the App Store is a, is a really positive thing right now. And, and then the other thing with that, too, is I've talked with a lot of other publishers that have made that conversion over to the App Store. And, and by and large, they are seeing the same thing. Okay. Now, what about Android? Is it worth your while or generally the while of others to develop their products for both platforms? Yeah, so the, there's there's a number of problems with, with selling on Android right now. Um, the first one is that you've got four or five different Android platforms that um, OSs that you've got to support, and then you've got to support that across 30 different devices. So it's a real mix of, that's a, that's a quality assurance absolute nightmare mm-hmm. to be able to do that. That's the first problem. The second problem is that the, the, the environment for selling the products is not as reliable in, as, as Apple has set up within the the app stores. And then the third problem we got is that, quite frankly, Google has trained their customers that everything is free. Right. And so um, the, 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 uh, while you're seeing great unit volume of sales on the Android stores right now, you're seeing very much, much smaller dollar volume sales on the Android stores right now. So the economic proposition to the developer right now is basically that you have, to, you have a much higher QA and development budget. You have uh, a s- stores that, that are more difficult to sell through. And then number three is uh, the customer doesn't want to pay for it. Sounds like a real picnic. <laughs> yeah, it is. Right. It is. So, I mean, there's there's reasons why so many developers are still really orienting themselves towards iOS. Now, that being said, you have the inevitability of the pervasiveness of Android that is going to change those economics over time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I think that... Uh, one of the things that Apple would be smart about is is to recognize that it has this enormous advantage right now, and and uh, with developers, uh, but that that cannot last, and that they're going that there's going to be a challenge that's going to be ahead of them to keep those developers on the Apple platforms as Android economics gradually get better and better. Right. So, how does Apple respond to that? I haven't, you know, I haven't had that conversation with them yet. I, I, um, I haven't had that conversation with them yet. But I, I, they would be, I would be shocked if they haven't seen it. I mean, you, you've got, you know, I work with a lot of the people at once upon a time, long time ago. I worked with a lot of the people who are running the show, and these are these are all people who, besides uh, being, you know, really smart, uh, absolutely love the Mac, love the Apple platforms. Um, they have history. Yeah, they, they've they've seen the they they saw Apple. Uh, what happened to Apple when it had these enormous advantages with the Apple II and then the Mac and how these things went away. And I think that they're pretty aware of the causes of that and, um, and, 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 and have some ideas, I'm sure, of, of ways that they can 
prevent this, the sim- similar sort of declines that I think uh, some of the more mainstream press is accusing Apple of not understanding. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, you've been intimately involved in gaming, yet your recent iOS efforts up to this point have been about productivity. So is iOS gaming not a good play for you at this point? Correct. Um, so there are a, there's a particular kind of game that seems to, and I shouldn't say one type, there's four or five particular types of games that are working really well on iOS right now. Um, and, and they're a little bit different than the, the style of game that I have um, over the years been more successful with. So I, I, I think that you've got that issue. And then the second issue is that you just have this massive, massive quantity of games that are going through the stores. And so you, you need uh, – it's a little bit more challenging to – it's a little more risky right now to really put the kind of investment behind a game uh, that I think you need to be successful. So, you know, when we when we started out, uh, you know, Destineer was was one of my uh, uh, one of the companies I'm still running one of the companies I've been doing for about 12 years or so. When we started uh, developing games uh, for for uh, Destineer, it was possible for a game with maybe a two hundred fifty thousand or even a million dollar development budget to get into the top 20 sellers Uh, today. That budget on the console platforms is a minimum of $25 million. So, and it goes up to $100 million. Yeah. So, I mean, it, so what, and, and the same sort of thing is going to happen on iOS. You're going to see, uh, I think, a, that the, the companies that are doing, a, a, that are successful right now on iOS are going to continue investing larger and larger amounts into their games on iOS. And that that will make it a little bit more difficult for the younger companies that have fewer resources to uh, to be able to match the experience that the guys that are pumping the money in. Now, understand that other I understand that what people are going to say is, yeah, 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 that means that the same thing's going to happen on consoles, which is that we get a whole bunch of sequels and low risk product. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that is an inevitability of that, <laughs> but, but um, it, 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 there, it, it, I think that there will still be an opportunity on iOS for people to do clever things. It's just that the bar for clever gameplay versus the graphics, and whereas you know where you get into a lot of expenses and mm-hmm. enormous art budgets and graphics budgets, engineering budgets. So you're going to see, I think, um, that that there will still be a period of time where people who have just a really clever idea but not a lot of money can be successful on iOS 7. I'm sorry, on iOS across the board. But over time, that is going to become much more of a challenge for the younger, lower resource companies to be able to compete. Right. Now, in terms of iOS, do you think the palette is going to be smaller or is smaller on iOS simply because of the way you interact with the device? The palette, you mean in terms of the it, game experience? Yeah, kind of, it kind of the uh, games that you can actually play on this thing successfully. I've seen, because I know you've done a lot of, um, you know, the, the 3D stuff and, and the shooting kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, I've played some of them and I just don't feel that they're very successful on them because of the input problems you have. Absolutely, absolutely. With that kind of... Uh, experience um, with for the shooters, especially that the touchscreen devices have proven to be a very very big challenge for the shooters. <clears throat> now there are a number of people, very smart people, who are who are thinking about how to solve that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so uh, th- 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 I'm, I'm hoping that um, I'm hope. And, and in fact, there's some products that are in development right now that I know about that that will be coming out soon that I think are trying to to solve some of those issues. Right. OK, well, let's turn to NoteSuite. Uh, how about describing what it is and why you decided to enter a market that seems to be fairly full of options? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's hundreds of note-taking apps out there, hundreds of them. Um, but the, uh, I was having a hard time finding a note-taking app that solved the two issues that I most wanted to solve. Uh, and those two issues are, uh, number one, uh, an app that has the kind of robustness and capabilities but doesn't trap all my data inside of somebody else's proprietary system. This is the this is the big challenge. So while the, the, you know there's there's I've got a, a very large competitor, very well funded competitor that now has 65 million registered users, and uh, the problem though is that they and almost all of the other really good note taking apps require you to have a subscription. Now that subscription is free unless you want to access your notes offline, in which case it's 45 bucks a year, and that's what the price is now. I don't know what the price is going to be five years from now. I don't know if they're going to be around to give you my data five years from now. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at the history of technology for 50 years, and this is no different now, there's this, this, this tug between the customer who wants to control their data and the company that wants to control their data. Because if the company controls the data, then they can control what they charge you to get access to that data at some point. And um, as a user who's been around the business for a long, long time, um, you know, on the uh, as a software company, hey, great. But as as a user, that's not good. Right. <laughs> that, that's just at some point that is going to cause uh, the users a problem. And and so I, as a user, I was not comfortable with giving up my all of my notes and storing them only on somebody else's proprietary system. Now, when some of these guys got started, that was the only option. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have these public syncing services like uh, Dropbox, Google Drive, Box, or iCloud. And, and so, and, and what they did was innovative, and I respect these companies deeply. Respect these companies because they built they built great products, and they got great products that solve great problems. But as a user, I am not comfortable if the, my data is only stored in somebody else's proprietary system. I want the flexibility to put my data wherever I want my data to be, so that I know that I control it. So that's the first issue that I had with the note-taking apps. The second issue I had was um, a, a challenge with mobile devices is that mobile devices store all your files together with the app, not in a central filing system. And they do this for security reasons. <clears throat> now, that's great for security, but the problem is that when I'm working on a project, I oftentimes have to gather a note, a, a Microsoft Word document, and I might have three or four other things, that I, a PDF or an image or whatever. Oftentimes, I need to gather different kinds of files together for the projects that I'm working on. And um, if I've got all these different uh, kinds of, of um, files stored in all these different kinds of apps, it becomes difficult to stay organized. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what we tried to do with NoteSuite is address both of those two issues, and, and um, the way we've addressed it is with the uh, in the case of the syncing, um, what we do is we store all your data on your devices, and then we use um, publicly available systems for syncing. So right now with NoteSuite, uh, you can sync through iCloud, and we're going to add another service later on in the summer as well, so that users will actually have a choice of the of where is their data stored and how is it being synced. They can they can change it. 
They can dump me and go to somebody else if they want to. That's their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and all you pay is a one-time, relatively low amount of money to get your uh, c- control of your data. You buy, you buy the app, that's it. You're, you're done. You don't, there's no subscription fees. You're done. Uh, the second thing um, that we've done then is rather than having all these little applets that you have to store your files in, all these different applets to, to bring them together, we, uh, we've combined five different note-taking tools in one app. So you can take notes, you can manage to-dos, you can clip web pages, you can annotate almost anything, and you can read and search a variety of different document formats all together in one place, uh, in one app, which makes it a lot easier to stay organized. Okay. Now, when you showed me this uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of the problems that some people have with, um, with drawing tools, and particularly doing signatures, is that you have very little space to work on, and you try to write something, and it's completely illegible. And you showed me a feature that I thought was very clever for getting around this. Yeah, yeah, thanks. No, yeah. So we have a writing board, and um, when you write on the writing board, it automatically shrinks your handwriting to fit better on the page. And then as you write to the edge of the writing board, it will automatically move the the destination where it's writing on the page for you automatically. So you can just continue writing. So that way you don't even you don't have to look up. You can just keep on writing on this writing board, and it will uh, it'll even give you a carriage return, so to speak, with your handwriting, where it goes to the next line. It, it, all of it's just uh, I think as as and it makes it makes handwriting on a tablet, especially in a meeting, uh, it makes it pretty easy. Right. So which file formats does it support for importing media and text? Uh, for so we'll we support all of the Microsoft Office formats and um, and note that you can search your Microsoft Word docs and PowerPoints as well as your Microsoft Excel titles. <clears throat> but you can search all the content of a Microsoft Word and PowerPoint doc. Uh, you can uh, PDF. You can search all the content of PDF for your um, uh, and text files. Obviously, we do text files as well. Um, we will take your iWork documents and we will convert those to PDF uh, automatically, uh, so that you can search those as well as annotate those. Uh, we will also recognize image formats, JPEG, Ping, uh, and GIF, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know if I'm missing something. Is, uh, there, movie, there, there movies or audio? Not, not no, well. You can record audio on both the Mac and iPad versions. You can record audio while you're taking notes, and we will sync that audio recording with each line of your notes. So, for example, if you're taking notes in a lecture. Um, you can go back to the specific part of the audio recording just by tapping on the little speaker icon that we put next to that part of your notes. Okay. Now, we don't do anything with video right now, uh, and uh, that, is, uh, that is more of an issue of, of, of storage uh, than anything else, and, uh, and, and uh, we get a few requests for video, so I expect that at some point in the future we'll be addressing video as well. Okay. Now, suppose that I brought some Office documents into the application. Other than annotating them, let's say I wanted to edit some of this stuff. Would I then export it, or could I do something within the app? 
Yeah, right. So, um, you know, uh, we can't build all of Microsoft Office into our note-taking app. Drat. So, <laughs> so um, right, drat. But neither I mean, can I, Microsoft, so uh, <laughs> so I wouldn't feel too bad about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah. So what we what we do is um, you can um, you can use uh, Google Drive Box or Dropbox um, uh, to get your Microsoft Office documents in and out of Note Suite, and 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 for Microsoft Office formats, we retain the original format, so you can just send them back and forth. You can email them out. You can also email them into your notebook as well. You can set up an email address for your notebook and forward. Uh, somebody sends you a Microsoft Word document, you just forward it right to your notebook uh, and get it by email, uh, and then. Uh, uh, and then in addition to that, you can use the iPad's open in feature, mm-hmm. um, which allows you to send a, a document from one, uh, from one app to another. Uh, then uh, on the Mac, uh, you can also just simply drag a file, a Microsoft Office file, from your desktop into the NoteSuite directory, and then you'll have it inside of NoteSuite, and it will also then sync to your iPad uh, automatically. Right. Okay, so we've all heard of problems people have with iCloud syncing and I know that you've you've enabled iCloud syncing with your app. So how difficult is it to implement and how solid do you think the service currently is? Yeah, I mean it it definitely it was challenging. A lot of the issues that people have described with iCloud are with a a service that sits on top of iCloud called Core Data. Mm-hmm. And um, and Apple's initial implementation of Core Data had its issues. Now we, when when our engineers took a look at um, iCloud right after it, they, Apple announced it, we decided we didn't think Core Data was going to work. And so rather than using Core Data, we actually built all of our own database syncing technology on top of iCloud. <clears throat> that is an enormous amount of work. Um, it is an enormous amount of work, but uh, that also gives us the flexibility now to to sync on other services besides iCloud. And in addition to that, it gave us a little bit more control over how all that process works. That investment, uh, however, has been enormous. That's an enormous investment. Mm -hmm. Uh, We released um, with our previous product, Project Book, we enabled iCloud syncing in that in uh, towards the end of uh, end of 2012. So we've been running iCloud with customers now for quite some time and have a pretty good idea of where the issues um, were and where the issues are. Uh, and I would say that for 95% of users, of um, whether using our app or Apple's apps, you know, iCloud works great. It's it's amazing. The advantage to the customer is all they got to do to sync on iCloud right now is they push one button in our app. That's it. They don't have to enter in a new password. They don't have to give up their email address. They don't have to remember a new account information. They don't have to do any of that stuff. They just push one button and they are syncing done. And there is only one service that offers that, and that's and that's iCloud. Right. So, so I think and then and 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 like I say, ninety five percent of the time it works amazing. I mean, you'll you'll have these situations where for whatever reason iCloud doesn't sync for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it happens, but it happens sometimes. But it's it's the exception, not the rule. 95% of the time, um, you know, it's synced within minutes uh, from one device to the other. I have been running NoteSuite between my Mac and my iPad um, on iCloud now for many, many months. So, and and, and by and large, I've been really, uh, it, I mean, it, it, what it enables is amazing. I mean, 
I've got this document sitting on my Mac. I drag it into NoSuite and, uh, you know, and, and grab my iPad five, ten minutes later, run out the door, and I've got it on my iPad. And it's a Microsoft Word doc. It might be a contract. I, I can, you know, in, in NoteSuite, then I can annotate that. I can turn it into a PDF on the road while I'm offline. I don't have to have an Internet connection. And uh, I can read it. I can mark it up. I can sign it. I can do whatever I want to it. Um, and, and that was enabled by the magic of iCloud. Right. So if you had Apple's ear in regard to iCloud and what you would like, what would you suggest? Um, well, I think, I think that you, you saw iCloud go from zero to about 300 million users in like nine months. Mm -hmm. that is, I, that's an enormous technical accomplishment. And, um, and I, I, will, I wonder whether the infrastructure – um, whether they were ready for that in incredibly fast growth. And so I know that they're building all these server farms now for iCloud all over the world. And, and so I think that just Apple is going to have to maintain and the, the, the uh, uh, hardware infra uh, infrastructure to, to support what I expect will be continued very, very fast growth for iCloud. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing um, is that um, is the, that you know, uh, Dropbox, uh, Google Drive, and Box uh, are doing a fantastic job of encouraging third parties to develop apps that work with their service and, and, and allow that data to go from one app to another. Mm -hmm. And in iCloud, you're, you're kind of contained right now. And it works great simply for syncing one app's data to another device. Right. But if you want to, say, grab that Microsoft Word file that's in a folder in another app, that's not something that iCloud does, but it is something that iCloud's competitors do. So that would certainly be very high on the list of things that I would like to see Apple uh, do as well. Right. Well, as you've described, NoteSuite is a pretty deep app. Now, we're accustomed to seeing these kinds of applications on a computer where you've got a lot of screen real estate and you have the benefit of menus and, and tabs and that sort of thing, but not always on mobile devices. So how do you go about conceiving interfaces for small screens and a touch interface that make navigating a deep app like yours intuitive? Yeah, that was a challenge. And quite frankly, um, in our first attempt at it with Project Book, I think we got a lot of things wrong. Um, and that we fix those for NoteSuite. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of favorable comments now that uh, that people find the um, the features much more accessible in NoteSuite than they did in Project Book. And um, that I got a credit to a, a response from users, to be honest with you, because um, we got a lot of um, you know when we after we released Project Book, we had more than a thousand uh, different different customers email us with either feedback or questions about the product, and that got us a lot of data about what do people understand, what don't they understand, what works, what doesn't work. And we took all that together and, and really rethought how certain aspects of the interface should work uh, so that people can have this, like you say, this deep kind of feature set, but still not, um, not feel overwhelmed and, and, and overwhelmed by it. That being said, it's still a challenge, right? Yeah. Because uh, the, the problem we're trying to solve for people is that they can organize everything that matters to them in one place. 
<laughs> right. That's a huge, that's a big challenge. That's a really, really big challenge. Um, and but um, our, our solution to that is context sensitivity. So what we try to do is we say, hey, look, when you're working with a Microsoft uh, Word file or a PDF, you only need certain controls. And and when you're working with a note or a to do, you get completely different set of, of, of tools. And um, quite honestly, some of that came, uh, design idea and philosophy came from our uh, video game background. Hmm. Where in video games, you've got that challenge that you've got to keep that user moving through the experience uh, while still experimenting with lots of different things in the environment. Right. And the way that you'd accomplish a lot of that is by only showing them what they need to know at the moment. Okay. So uh, you kind of did this quickly, uh, just to, as an example, but uh, let's try one more time. Uh, give me a basic workflow that um, you, you talked about a contract. So give me another workflow that um, I would find this an ideal app for. You, you bet. So um, what I have done now is I have, uh, I do, I'd say probably 80% or 90% of my um, word processing related stuff in NoteSuite. And um, so that way I have everything organized in one place and I, I put my Microsoft Word documents and my, uh, my PowerPoints and Excel files there in the same place. So now I have this all in this one app so that when I'm on the road and I need to, um, whether I need to type out a new note related to something, whether I need to track a to-do for it, it's all in one place. So a typical workflow, I would say, is that um, that uh, user is um, is is on their uh, on their computer uh, during the day in their office, and when uh, they're uh, working, they find uh, something they need to do. Uh, they need to remind themselves about a to do. Uh, they go up to the quick to do feature and they type in natural words. They say, um, you know, uh, send Chris screenshots two weeks from tomorrow. Okay, mm -hmm. and they just type that into NoteSuite. NoteSuite puts that on your master to do list. And uh, then uh, maybe 10 minutes later, they're in a meeting with somebody and uh, they're taking their notes in the meeting on their iPad. And the person there says, hey, I need to get that uh, those sales projections on my desk uh, in uh, three weeks. And within their meeting notes, they type in, I need those screenshot uh, screenshots to John uh, in three weeks. And they, that's all they got to do. They push a button, and now that's on their master to-do list as well. So then when it's time to actually start working on these projects, rather than having to go into different apps to try to find the data that they need, all of that data is stored inside of NoteSuite and is organized either by folders or by tags. They can do that then on their computer, or they can do that while they're on the road, uh, or while they're even in somebody else's office, or whether they're at their kid's soccer game, or where, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. because all that data is organized and it's together, and it's on their, both their computer and it's on their iPad. So truly, our goal for NoteSuite is that you are keeping the things that matter to you in one place so that it's much easier to stay organized. Okay, and does it coordinate with reminders or calendar? Um, with calendar, yes. So you can, from the to-do manager, you can um, 
You can add anything to your calendar. You can add an event to your calendar. Uh, and then when you, one of the features we've got in our, in our uh, to-do manager is that when you um, – it will automatically tell you about things that are due today or due this week mm-hmm. as well as everything that you need to get started on today or this week uh, based on uh, how many days you told it that you needed uh, to, to do it. Uh, at the, in the today and this week lists, it will also tell you all of your – events that are on your calendar for today or this week as well. So, yeah, we interact with the calendar quite a bit. I mean, our, our goal there is that when you look at the today list in NoteSuite, that you've got a comprehensive look at everything you need to be worried about right now. Right. Right. Everything, all your to-dos and all your calendar events, whether it's something that's due or something that needs to get started. And then when it's time to actually work on those, you tap the attachment button and everything is already there in your notebook. So it's really easy to gather the information you need to actually do it. Uh, as far as reminders, reminders are a little bit of a trickier situation. So with reminders, we get a lot of re- we get a lot of requests for um, reminders syncing, and we're looking at ways that we're going to try to do that. The challenge is this: right now, Apple's API does not expose the, the, a date stamp for when the reminder was created. Mm-hmm. Well, we need those date stamps to sync that across two different devices, so that your Mac doesn't bring it that, that event in, as well as your iPhone brings the same event in. Right. That's the issue with reminders, but we are um, we're hoping that uh, we can find some ways around that. Okay, and is there feature parity between the mobile version and the Mac version? Uh, so the iPad version um, has a little bit has a couple more features than the Mac version, and the Mac version has, does certain things for workflow a little bit differently than the iPad version because we think that when you're on your on your laptop or desktop that you do things a little bit differently. So the differences are this: on the um, the iPad version uh, allows you to annotate just about anything. Mm-hmm. You can um, you can draw with really beautiful realistic digital ink on just about anything. Uh, you can draw on a photo and then email that that JPEG to somebody. You can draw on a note or a web clip, um, and you can annotate PDFs, uh, and you can convert your Microsoft Office and iWork documents into PDFs so they can be annotated. You can do all of that on the iPad, but you can't do that on the Mac, especially because there isn't really a great mechanism for drawing mm-hmm. on a Mac screen. Right. The On the Mac, um, we give you a couple of, of things that we can't give you on the iPad because of the uh, the, uh, the physical interface. The, uh, the difference is, uh, number one, that you can we have a menu bar app on the Mac so that you can, if you're working in Microsoft Word and you want to create a to-do, you just go up to our menu bar app and say, hey, quick to-do, type in, um, uh, you know, whatever reminder you need to type in, you type it in natural words, and uh, it'll add it to your to-do list in NoteSuite. And then uh, number two is on the uh, Mac, we also have a, uh, we've got um, the ability to drag files or images from your desktop or another app right directly into NoteSuite. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, you can't do that actually because of the interface on the iPad. And then the third thing is on the on the on the Mac, we have web clipping extensions for Safari, Chrome, and Firefox that allow you to clip web pages directly to your NoteSuite notebook. Um, cleans up all the clutter, makes it searchable, uh, all that, uh, and you can do that directly from your browser. Um, Whereas in um, the iPad version, uh, you just, uh, in order to clip a web page on the iPad, you hit the share button on, in Safari, hit copy, and then open up NoteSuite, and then it will import it. So there's a, those are three differences between the iPad and the Mac version. Okay. I don't know that we've mentioned the price on these apps. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right now um, we've got a special introductory offer where we're selling the iPad version for one ninety nine, 
its normal price is four dollars and ninety nine cents. And then on the uh, on the Mac, we are selling the uh, Mac version for an introductory price of four dollars and ninety nine cents, and the regular price is nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Are you shocked by how little software costs today? <laughs> yeah, and especially even right now, you look at you know a, a video game console product is still selling for sixty bucks. Yeah, yeah. right. But that same product on the uh, on, on a mobile device is is a lot cheaper than that. Yeah, we are shocked. I mean, there's a good part and a bad part to that. Um, you know, it actually this sounds counterintuitive, but what I found is that. Um, it actually the lower prices are requiring a higher quality. Hmm. Now this is this again. This is weird, right? Um, you think it'd be the other way around, right. but the the challenge I've got is if I go spend ninety nine dollars for a productivity app and it doesn't quite work the way I want it to, I'm going to keep trying to figure out how to make it work the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. But if I've spent five dollars for it and it doesn't work, I'm on to the next thing. Right. So it, it actually drives us to uh, create, I think, simpler interfaces and a much more robust testing uh, because it just so, it's so easy for that user who's tried our product to switch to another one. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I, I know you've worked at Apple, so you can give me the Apple answer to this one if you like. Um, okay. And the question is, uh, can you talk about future plans for the app? <laughs> and you know what the Apple uh, answer is. <laughs> yeah, the Apple answer is simple. It's two letters long. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, the uh, Yeah. So, you know, I, I would say this um, about what we would like to do. Um, number one is that uh, we really listen to feedback from users uh, who, who send that to us um, and to our support at Theory.io address. Um, and we get ideas from what customers have said. A lot of the way we've shaped Note Suite has come from feedback from users. Um, the same thing's going to happen with our Mac app now. That's 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 new. I, I, you know, I've released over the years. I've probably shipped two hundred products through my companies. Probably more than that, actually, mm-hmm. consumer software products. And um, and and what I I th- I think that no matter how aggressively you test it with users and internally before you release it, once it actually goes into the wild, uh, and people start using it for real work that that both you and they discover things um, that they would that you just can't discover during a, a, a typical testing process mm-hmm. and so um, we really try to internalize that um, that feedback that we get from from users about what they like and don't like about the way something works or the features that they want or in some cases the features they don't want we just have found certain things that we thought would have traction with users and um, and it's, it's not turning out to be as big a deal as um, as we thought and so we can orient our resources towards the things that are mm-hmm. right well what about your future you've done so many things so is theory io your home for the foreseeable future or do you have other irons in the fire my focus for the foreseeable future is absolutely on on everything that we can do with uh with theory and uh and continuing to to build uh uh note suite 
Excellent. Well, uh, as I said, I've, I've and, I, and, oh, go ahead. and I and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Chris, I should say one other thing. Uh, we get the question too: What's next for for NoteSuite? And and I got to say that the iPhone is next. Ah. <laughs> so to be clear about that, I skip that. Uh, that's that, that's almost so obvious that I didn't even mention it. But it's uh, we've iPad, Mac, and obviously we're going to come out on iPhone as well. That's the next thing. And then that we've got a lot of ideas that we're getting from our customers, as well as uh, the uh, uh, a lot of enhancements for what we'll be doing with NoteSuite. Suite. And then after that, I, I, I want to uh, do a little bit more in the, in the video gaming world that uh, once I once I get the chance. Yeah. OK. Well, again, uh, Note Suite is available for the iPad right now. It's just $1.99 at the App Store. I've been playing with it for the last couple of weeks, and it really is a remarkable effort. So congratulations. I know you spent a lot of time working on this and uh, and everything I've seen so far has been really, really impressive. Thank you, Chris. That means a lot. You've seen an awful lot of stuff, so I really appreciate that compliment. Thank you. you. No, it's, it really is quite good. So, again, uh, check it out, everyone, and uh, thanks, Peter, for joining us. You bet. Thank you, Chris. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Peter Tamty and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. See you around.